Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you check them out. Visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com and sign up for On the Town. It's a weekly email that you'll receive some of the highlights of things that are going on in the Paradise Coast at naplesillustrated.com. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll visit with Mark about current world affairs. Kyle Reed is the board president of Golden Paws Assistance Dogs, a terrific organization. Purchased some new property and uh, getting ready to ramp up the support that they provide assistance dogs for uh, uh, former or or injured uh, soldiers, veterans. And we'll also visit with Jim McTagg. He is uh, author of a couple of books. His latest is Shake the Money Tree, a sequel to Follow the Leader, and also former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. We'll visit with Jim as well. He's in the beltway there, and we'll get his thoughts. Well, it is March the 9th, and on this day in 1841, at the end of a historic case, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled with only one dissent that the African-American slaves who seized control of the Armistead slave ship had been illegally forced into slavery and thus were free under American law. In 1807, the U.S. Congress joined with Great Britain in abolishing the African trade slave, slave trade, <laughs> although the trading of the slaves within the U.S. was not prohibited. Despite the international ban on the importation of African slaves, Cuba continued to transport captive Americans to its sugar plantations until the 1860s and Brazil to its coffee plantations until the 1850s. On June 28, 1839, 53 slaves captured in Africa left Havana, Cuba, aboard the Armistad schooner for a life of slavery on a sugar plantation at Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Principe, Cuba. Three days later, a member of Africa known as Cinque freed himself and the other slaves and planned a mutiny. Early in the morning on July the 2nd, in the midst of a storm, the Africans rose up against their captors and using sugarcane knives uh, found in the hold killed the captain of the vessel and crew member. Two other crew members were either thrown overboard or escaped. And uh, Pedro Montes, the two Cubans uh, who had purchased the slaves, were captured. Uh, Cinque ordered the Cubans to sail the Armistead back to Africa. During the day, Ruiz and Montes complied. But at night, they would turn the vessel to an early direction towards U.S. waters after almost nearly two difficult months at sea, during which time more than a dozen Africans perished. What became known as the Black Schooner was first spotted by American vessels. Well, they rounded up the vessel, brought it in, and put the uh, Africans in jail, were imprisoned them uh, for an investigation uh, over the Armistad Revolt. Well, the Supreme Court ended all that and said, you know what, these guys should be free, and uh, they were free under American law, and that all happened on this day in 1841. Very interesting case, of course, another uh, tick in the clock towards the, the abolition of slavery in the United States, and of course the Civil War, which... Uh, <clears throat> ended all that in 1865. 
Well, a dizzying, brutal week of trading dropped one last round of harrowing swings on investors Friday. The Dow fell 1.7%. It was down over 5% at one point, or, or 4%. But it came back at the end of the day after skidding sharply throughout the day. Uh, but it's right now not looking good at all. Uh, right now, futures are down about 5%, down 1,255 as I'm looking, to the, uh, looking at TV here, Fox News TV. Uh, so uh, we don't know how bad this outbreak is going to be, but it's driven by the coronavirus, but also other things. Uh, by the way, ironically, the number of people who have died from seasonal influenza so far has reached 20,000, including 136 influenza-associated uh, deaths in children. That according to the Center for Disease Control. 20,000. So we're concerned about the 14 uh, people that have died here from coronavirus. But it's just not the coronavirus that's hitting the markets. Oil prices have plunged by nearly 25%, triggering border global market losses as a dispute among producers. Now we're talking about Saudi Arabia as well as uh, Russia are tending to fight it out about this, uh, about the oil production. Russia uh, refused to cut back its oil supply, and the Saudis comp- uh, countered by just increasing their oil supply. So oil prices have plunged. They could be f- good for us at the pump, but it's certainly not good uh, for uh, what's happening to the economy. Why, are, why is uh, oil production being cut back? Well, of course, we're seeing a cutback in all kinds of travel, uh, uh Air, air flight, cruises, you name it, the things are being cut back as this uh, coronavirus is having a rippling effect around the world. I think a quarter I read this morning, a quarter of the population in Italy is being quarantined or kept at home with the uh, threat of uh, law enforcement being thrown in jail if you don't comply with uh, what the ba- demands are. So stock index futures opened shortly lower on a plunge of oil prices and rising coronavirus worries. And again, Italy ordered a lockdown across most of its north, including financial capital Milan, in a bid to halt the spread. Saudi Arabia also reportedly planned to boost its oil production by well over 10 million barrels a day. And again, that's not good for the price of oil. It's uh, going to plunge. And again, we'll probably see lower prices at the the pump. But uh, nevertheless, this is a result of a real slowdown financially, and it's hurting financial markets badly right now. Be interesting to see how this all turns out at the end of the day. It could be a nice recovery, but I doubt it. Uh, 1,255 points the market is down. Well, President Trump met with victims and families on Friday in Tennessee after a series of tornadoes hit Nashville and surrounding towns. Reporters were kept away from uh, hearing the full conversations with a group of storm victims and members of their family, but as Trump spoke privately in the pri- to the group of people, many of them began applauding and shouting amen, according to the footage streamed live by the White House cameras. We're a big family. We support you, one man said uh, at, to Trump. As others agreed, we're going to support you again. At least 25 people were killed in the storm. These, the uh, storm winds were up to over 200 miles an hour, as I understand it. And the, the devastation to the areas, about 12 miles from Nash- Nashville, was just devastating. So the president getting a lot of love down there in Nashville and in the area. Most presidents would do a flyover, that kind of thing. Well, he got out of the plane, went there and shook hands with the people and uh, let them know that he was there to support them. President Donald Trump. Well, he's decided to skip the annual Congressional St. Patrick's Day lunch on Capitol Hill. 
Uh, since the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, has chosen to tear this nation apart, and I guess he's also referring to tearing up the uh, State of the Union address with her actions and her rhetoric, the President will not participate in moments where she often chooses to drive discord and disunity, and will instead celebrate the rich history and strong ties between the United States and Ireland at the White House on March the 12th. That, according to White House De uh, Deputy Press Secretary Judd, Judd Deere, said in a statement, the annual lunch on Capitol Hill takes place around St. Patrick's Day in addition to a White House meeting with the Prime Minister of Ireland and a White House reception uh, where the uh, Trish, uh, where the President gives away a bowl of shamrocks. Well, that's the tradition. So the Congressional Luncheon is an ongoing tradition started by Speaker Tip O'Neill in 1983 and invited President Ronald Reagan to Capitol Hill for the occasion. But the relationship between Trump and Pelosi, as we know, has deteriorated badly particularly after she ripped up the president's speech in the State of the Union address. She also removed the word high privilege and distinct honor for the traditional introduction of the president at Congress at the uh, speech. So, uh, again, they're not going to be meeting. Uh, as uh, tradition uh, holds, the president uh, is going to do other things. Well, under fire over the uh, government's handling of the coronavirus, President Trump on Friday made a major staffing change, announcing the representative Mark Meadows will be replacing Mick Mulvaney as his chief of staff. From my standpoint, I think Mulvaney did a great job, but he's pretty blunt and uh, said what was ever on his mind. I think uh, that at one point I saw that he, Trump was not pretty, particularly happy with Mulvaney. Anyhow, Trump announced a surprise reshuffle in a series of Friday night tweets saying Mulvaney would now become the U.S. special envoy to Northern Ireland. I've long known and worked with Mark, and the relationship was very good when he wrote thanking Mulvaney, who never shook his acting title. He was acting chief of uh, staff uh, for having uh, served the administration so well. The long-rumored move makes Meadows, who announced last week that he's not running for re-election for the House seat in North Carolina. He makes him effectively the fourth Trump chief of staff since taking office in 2017. So, Mulvaney out, Meadows in, and uh, that's all going to be taking, uh, taking place pretty quickly. Senator Bernie Sanders and former Vice President Joe Biden are facing a moment of truth in Michigan tomorrow after the 2020 Democrat field consolidated last week into a two-man race between the lap, uh, lap dog, uh, the lap dog being Bernie Sanders, so I think will capitulate with almost all the Democrat Party uh, demands and needs and wants. And, of course, Bernie Sanders, who's the outsider, the people's delegate, uh, who will probably uh, not win the nomination. Anyhow, there's a trove of delegates up for from uh, Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, and Washington on Super Tuesday the 2nd. They're calling it Super Tuesday 2. But Michigan, it's 125 delegates will be the top prize. It's a critical state, that according to uh, John Ull, a progressive activist and prominent Sanders supporter. So uh, Biden and uh, Sanders will be fighting it out. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Golf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents the Florida premiere of a laugh-out-loud comedy, The Lady Demands Satisfaction, running from February the 15th through March the 15th, with preview performances on February the 13th and 14th. Directed by Broadway star and Gulf Shore Playhouse Associate Artistic Director Jeffrey Bender, The Lady Demands Satisfaction tells the comedic tale of hapless heiress Troth as she comes of age. After the untimely death of her noble father, Troth learns that she could lose her inheritance if someone beats her in a duel. The only problem? Troth has never laid so much as a finger on a sword. Her domineering aunt, clever servants, bumbling lawyer, and Prussian swordmaster all add to the chaos and mayhem in this hilarious, swashbuckling spoof of 18th century nobility. Tickets are selling fast and are available now. Single tickets for the Lady Demand Satisfaction start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Jim McDegg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of books. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark, as I mentioned before the break, is a founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. He's also the author of several books, mainly on past presidents. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. And uh, you know what? I just got some new equipment, so if you have difficulty hearing me, please let me know. And you didn't bring a high school student in to help you set it No, I didn't. <laughs> but nevertheless, I have hope that everything is working. But I'm so pleased with at least the look of the, of the equipment. We'll see how it works. So, um, Mark, uh, we've been talking. Tell, first of all, tell us about HistoryCentral.com. Absolutely. History Central is a website that covers all of history, primarily American history. We go from from before the explorers arrived through the explorers all the way i think our last event was um the acquittal of president trump in the senate so we go all the way to the current current events we have special sections on elections we have special sections on the u.s navy on aviation history we have also world history we do all of world history going from ancient times to current times with timelines for 
different continents. We have sections on every nation, and we're just about to finish a section on every state in the United States, which should go live in the next couple of days. And that is just really terrific. And I'll encourage our listeners to visit the website. Encourage young people. Uh, history should be fun and interesting for people and uh, and for young people, for kids of all ages, including you and I. Yeah, the website, again, is historycentral.com. So, Mark, uh, the, day, the week is starting off with a lot of turmoil in financial markets, what's happening with Saudi Arabia and Russia. Uh, but let's start off with the discussion of the coronavirus. What are your thoughts? Well, look, obviously the situation has been getting worse and worse. China seems to have gotten it under control. We're not positive, but it seems to have. And they did it by just intense, intense measures. They called off every event. They've, they stopped all transportation into the region. They basically put people into quarantine, the whole city into quarantine. The rest of the country stopped going to work, and they managed to bring it under control. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, it seems to have worked in that case. Uh, Taiwan has done a reasonable job, too. Taiwan has been testing people on planes before they arrive. Hmm. So, and South Korea has also a little better control, although it keeps on growing in South Korea. They've been testing tens of thousands of people on a regular basis now. Yeah, a couple, but uh, Italy apparently is uh, having a terrible problem with coronavirus, especially... Italy didn't test and didn't close its borders, and... Now it's way beyond what it can handle. That's the problem. Yeah. The, the inherent problem is, I mean, there's obviously the problem <clears throat> of death rate, which no one really knows because we don't know the total number of people who actually have it. Mm-hmm. I mean, of the reported cases, it's been 3%. There's an argument that it's 1%. So let's say it's somewhere between 1% and 3% is the death rate. Compare that to the flu, which is 0.1%. So it's a much higher death rate, but the bigger problem, I mean, this is a bigger problem than that, obviously, if you're the one of the people dead, it's the biggest problem. But beyond that is the fact that somewhere between 10 to 20% of the people who get it need to be hospitalized. Hmm. And because the of healthcare lung- systems in Italy certainly couldn't handle it, and the United States can't handle it, because we've been closing, over the years, we've been closing hospitals, and we, the insurance companies work very well to make sure that people stay as short a period of time in the hospital but in this case, it requires extensive hospitalization because the only way of surviving this is being put on a respirator. Yeah. And that requires, you know, like a week or two on the respirator. And they're just, you know, the U.S. doesn't have that capacity in most most cities, to say the least. Yeah, so off air, you... I, I think I said to you three weeks ago what the government should be doing is producing or having someone produce thousands of respirators. But, of course, no one did that. Mm-hmm. What, do, do we know that? Though, the president met with uh, manufacturers of drug companies. It wouldn't surprise me if perhaps he's reaching out to, oh, you know, uh, it's not news yeah, necessarily. No, no, no. You can't meet with the drug companies and talk about, I've come up with a cure. I mean, that's just an absurdity. What you need to do is you need to turn it over to the Defense Department or, or an actual part of the government that actually knows how to do things. And the same way in World War II, we made planes. You go to a couple of manufacturers who actually make things and say, listen, guys, Instead of making whatever you're making right now, we need you to make 50,000 respirators. Or some, you know, I, don't, I have no idea what the number should be, but that's the general idea. It seems like and an oxymoron to go to the part of the government that people. get things done. I think that's an oxymoron. Why can't the president it's just... not, though. Oh. The United States knows how to get things done when there's a crisis, when there's right leadership. In the United, you know, it's one thing when there's no crisis. Then, you know, okay, a little later, a little whatever, it doesn't make a difference. But look at what happened during World War II in the United States. We went from producing, I don't know, 200 airplanes a year to 50,000 in a year and a half. Yeah. 
the United States knows how to get things done. I mean, yeah, it wasn't the government that produced them, but it was the government that got the private manufacturers to produce them. The government said, here's a contract, I want 10,000 planes, and I want them in six months. Yeah, why can't the president pick up the phone and do that? Because he can't contract, he can't give a contract, the president can't do that. He has to have, he has to actually you know go and go through the process. You can't just call up and do that. A president doesn't have that power. He can't do that. He's not doing it anyway because he doesn't think it's that important. Well, he does. Theory. Well, but you know, I I disagree with uh, your point that you're making because if the president picks up the phone and makes a call to a manufacturer, points out the need, uh, I can't understand why there wouldn't be an immediate change, a, a pivot for that company. It to doesn't work that way. The way it worked in World War II is they got orders. The federal government issued an order, a contract, an immediate emergency contract. Yeah, that's how things happen. There's, there's no. That's the connection between private industry and, and and the public. Is the public or the the government issues a contract, the private industries fulfill the contract. Yeah, you know, under emergency circumstances, under all sorts of methods of doing it, where they get high priority. That during World War II, of course, there was issue of um, raw materials and everything else, obviously. But there was a priority board. They made sure that the manufacturers got the. The, the things they needed in order to produce. Yeah. They were the first line of, of defense, so to speak, in terms of building the arsenal de- of democracy, and it worked. Yeah, that could be that's, a, that's, I, well, that's when you need a government. And, you know, it's very nice. You can be libertarian all you want, and it's it being a libertarian is good 80% of the time. Except when there's a national emergency, there's only one organization that can fulfill that, you know, yeah, so fight that fight, and it's... It's, it's the U- U.S. government, so uh, you know, incarcerating Japanese on the on the West Coast. I mean, the government actually they made mistakes. <laughs> Obviously, they made mistakes. They also won the war. Yeah, I mean, period. <clears throat> they won the war. Period. And they won the war because they were able to. Because the U.S. became the arsenal of democracy. The U.S. produced the arms to equip both the United States to, to create the largest navy in the history of the world, and managed to produce arms for Great Britain and for Russia, or Soviet Union at the time, yeah. and for all their other allies. Yeah, well, the, and quote, the U.S. government to manage that. So I would, uh, I would quote uh, a great statesman who's now retired. He says, "You know, I wouldn't want more government, even if were, if it were free." So, but that's not a question of being free. That's not the point. The point is when there is an emergency, who else can deal with it? Markets don't deal with emergencies of this kind. It, it's you know, <laughs> the markets. You know, what are airlines going to do right now? Airlines are cutting all of their flights. They're they're holding back. That's what they have to do because they have to conserve their cash because they're going to go out of business. So let me let me let me point out the uh, the the gas crisis or the oil crisis back during Carter's day when he decided to do something and created a lines and alternate days when people could get gas and it was just unbelievable. Just allow markets to take care of the problem. It would have been a much better solution. We are not talking about <coughs> gas here. We're talking about people's lives. No, I understand. We're talking about a market that there is no price to it, it's inelastic well wow. we're not talking about something that a market can deal with which is which ultimately is the problem with, problem with the health care market generally speaking is the inelasticity of the issue because you will pay any amount of money to save your own life even if you don't have it right and so it, it, it it's not something the markets do do very well let's put it that way and because here we're not even talking about that because here we're talking about a uh, an epidemic slash pandemic that that you know crosses borders and where you have to, um, with the public good, your own good and the public good are not necessarily the same thing. In other words, you going out when is well, if you're if you're elderly and you're in a group of endangered group, you shouldn't go out and be in groups at all at the moment because the odds are not. You know, if you get it, your chances are not really very good. But generally speaking, 
cutting travel and all these these things is not only good for you, but it's good for the society as a whole. Right. And of course, it stops, uh, the, it stops the virus from 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 transmitting in large numbers. And right, but uh, I don't, you know, goods, <clears throat> but individuals can make those decisions. You don't need uh, somebody to point out. No, but they can't though, because individuals <laughs> can make the decisions. But if you make a decision, you you're 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 carrying the 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 germ, the virus, and you make a decision that you're not willing. You know, you you're. We, you don't know you're carrying it, but you're, you've come from some place and you've made a decision that I'm not a problem. I'm going to go, you know, take my train from Penn Station in the United in New York. I'm going to go out to Kennedy Airport, go amongst the people, and then I'm going to take a plane to who knows where, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, you've made a choice. It may not even affect you at all, but you may have simultaneously infected a thousand people. That's true. That's true. And, and you have, and so you as an individual can't make that choice. The government has to tell you you can't make that flight. You can't, you can't do that if you came back from a certain place. Uh-huh. Well, they do that. They're doing that now, of course. Mm, very limited. Very, very limited. I have many cases of people who came back from abroad in the, last, in the last week and a half. They would just ask, do you have a fever? Uh, no fever, no problem. You can, no, uh, no question. So, I mean, no, no one kept track of where they went to, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think... Uh, I'm, by the way, right now, I, can't, I had to come to... To Israel for um, for the elections. I'm actually in Israel, where the opposite has taken place. They've cut off transportation to almost everywhere but the United States. So, uh, yeah, so, so I want to talk to you about Israel. We've had so much. This has been an outstanding discussion, I think, around uh, free markets versus government uh, imposition, and uh, it applies to coronavirus. And of course, the spread of this right now is deeply affecting financial markets because of its affecting business around the world. But I do want to talk to you about other things that are going on. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC 
goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NEDC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. I'm very proud to serve on the board, and I hope you check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Kyle Reed, the board president of Golden Paws Assistance Dogs. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCenter.com. Mark, again, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. So, uh, Mark, you're in Israel right now, which is so fascinating to me. You've made the trip, and uh, you're over there right now. Let's just start off with the elections and your general thoughts about what's going on. Okay, so for the elections, it was an interesting election in that um, initially it looked like Prime Minister Netanyahu had achieved what he'd wanted, which was getting an absolute majority. And he wants that so he can um, somehow get out of his trial or whatever else is involved in that. Um, and it was interesting because based on exit polls, he had gotten that majority. Mm-hmm. But slowly but surely, it became clear that he had not gotten the majority he needed, and he's short of that majority. Hmm. And as a result, the odds are very high that the um, center-left uh, coalition will be able to put together a, a, a coalition and a government possibly with the support of the Israeli Arab parties who will vote from the outside supporting the government in order to remove Netanyahu from office. It's not guaranteed yet, but the major thing was he did not get the majority that he was looking for. Yeah. Now, that coalition you're speaking of, I mean, is that a good thing? It doesn't sound like a healthy uh, coalition. To, well, to every way it depends on how you look at it. The reality is this is the third election, when third election where there's no absolute outcome. Uh, so it depends on how you define what a good thing and what a bad thing is. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people think Netanyahu should have resigned because his trial begins in a week. And most in most places in the world, when you're indicted, um, you generally tend to resign from politics, at least until you've cleared your name. Uh, so that's part of the main issue. That you know, The issue is that half the country won't serve under him because they say he's you know, a potential criminal. Well, the good thing is the good thing is it is uh, it's the rule of law. Things are even though there's a constitutional crisis in Israel, at least there's there's not beheadings and uh, civil <laughs> and guns and all kinds of things going off to uh, trying to attain power. Which, by the way, happens in I'm going to say most places around the world and uh, uh, in uh, Africa and other continents. So it, it's a, it's a good thing I think, even though it's the the outcome is not clear. So what's happening in Israel right now, just to, in terms of the general populace, in terms of what What's going on? With well, I mean, it's very interesting. There's there's no coalition at the moment. Um, at the, there's no coalition at the moment, so we don't know what's um, you know in, in terms of that. But the coronavirus has taken over everything relating to the Israeli news, and mm-hmm. because Israel has taken extreme measures, Israel was the first one to cut off all all flights to China, and then it followed that to Thailand, to follow that to Japan, and followed that to South Korea. And then by last week, it cut off almost all of Western Europe, 
and anyone who comes back from any of these places has to go into 14 days of uh, self-quarantine. Mm-hmm. And the health ministry wants to cut off the United States as well because the thing is out of control in the United States. The prime minister doesn't want to for political reasons. And so that's being decided the next next day or so what yeah. to do about that. But the positive result, there are 39 cases now in Israel. All of them except one, they've been able to trace exactly, all, almost all of them came from people who traveled abroad. Mm. You know, and a few of them came from actually tourists who were here. But they've been able to trace all but one of them the exact epidemiology of, of the um, of the um, of the disease, the virus. Yeah. So, so um, I, I did read. But the economy of, is screeching to a halt. Yeah, uh, as they are around the world, because everything is shutting down for sure. So, uh, one thing uh, I re- did read, uh, I think it was Zero Hedge. I read this that uh, the coronavirus apparently uh, uh, Orientals are more susceptible to getting the virus, and Africans almost are immune to it. Uh, we don't know. Well, that, we, we, we just don't know. Yeah. No, there's a lot we don't know. I know that, but uh, uh, it is a debilitating uh, virus for sure. But again, 20,000 people so far in the United States have died from the flu, from the influenza, the seasonal flu, compared to the number that have died worldwide uh, from from the coronavirus. So I know this. Right, but that's but 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 you you have to understand something. The coronavirus is brand new. Yeah. So it's not really. a number that you can compare how many have died from the influenza because the coronavirus is one month old. Yeah. This year's influenza began last summer. The hope is that so, this thing will die. I've also heard that the uh, coronavirus cannot uh, survive uh, no, in temperatures no, above... There is hope that that's the case. Mm-hmm. In other words, we have lots of hope and no no scientific basis. I mean, I hope you have to hope that's correct. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we do not know. Yeah. We do not know. It's and that's the big problem. We do not know. There's so much we do not know about this virus. We, we're still not totally sure about the incubation period. We're still not sure how long the virus lives on a, on a surface, you know, let's say on a railing or anything of that nature. There's some reports that it's only an hour. Some people say it's 24 hours. We just don't know any of these things yet. Well, there's also hope, and apparently, was this from the Israelis, I believe, that the uh, uh, vaccine is going to be developed shortly uh, for... For, uh, yeah, people are working on it, but we, again, these things just take time. It's, it's, it's nice to know, and it's nice to be worked on, but every expert says it'll take a year. Now, maybe they'll be able to shut, you know, maybe they'll cut, cut down, down to nine months or eight months if they don't do I've it, heard you know, 30 days. So it would be going... No, that's not going to happen. It's never going to happen in 30 days. You could never give widespread vi- um, uh, vaccines to people without testing it. Yeah. Could you imagine if it if it had... Terrible side effects. Thalidomide, taking it back to those yes, days. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So I get that. Well, Mark, this has been such an interesting discussion. Of course, we're uh, from a policy standpoint, we're standing on different sides of the issue, but I think it's an extremely interesting conversation. So I genuinely appreciate your commentary here. And oh, we didn't talk about Afghanistan. Any parting thoughts about Afghanistan? Well, we wish we knew all, all the facts. It's a very strange situation because <laughs> there are secret annexes to the agreement that the, gov- that the U.S. government is keeping secret which seems a bit strange because obviously the Taliban know what they, what they are. Yeah. So who are they secret from? It's an interesting question. So I, I can't even comment because I don't even know what the annexes say. I hear you. And so. It, it's, it's a, so we have a peace among people who are still fighting. It's kind of interesting to watch. So again, Mark Shulman, the, the website is historycentral.com. Mark, I genuinely appreciate your, your commentary here, and I hope you have safe travels uh, back Thank from you. Israel. Well, right, now, right now, all flights are starting to be canceled, so I'll be here for at least 
two or three weeks, and we'll see what happens. My goodness. Okay, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us. It's in both places, so. Okay. okay thanks. Uh, all right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Kyle Reed, the board president for Golden Paws Assistance Dogs. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. He's an author of Shake the Money Tree. Right now, we have with us Kyle Reed. As I mentioned before the break, he is the board president for Golden Paws Assistance Dogs. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Happy to be here. Thank you, Kyle. Tell us about Golden Paws Assistance Dogs. Well, Golden Paws is an organization, a nonprofit, and we train service dogs, uh, primarily for veterans, uh, but occasionally also for children with uh, certain disabilities. And uh, we gift them at no charge after training them for about two, two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the results are amazing. I've met people who have received uh, service dogs. Uh, I'm talking particularly veterans and servicemen who I met one guy who uh, for 10 years didn't go out of his room in his house uh, because of, P- uh, you know, the post-traumatic uh, distress disorder. And uh, because of the service, he was able to get on an airplane and actually travel. So uh, the difference could be amazing. We hear that a lot from our recipients. The, the impact is just unbelievable. Uh, people who, whether it's physical injuries or uh, psychological injuries from combat, uh, who just 
can no longer live a normal life, can no longer function uh, once they return from, uh, from combat. And the dogs just completely turn that around. And, and it's almost instant. It's incredible to watch, to yeah. see somebody just regain a joy for living. Uh, and it's, uh, it's just one of the most amazing things to see. It is amazing indeed. So I just really appreciate the work that uh, Golden Paws Assistance Dogs are doing. And two and a half years, I mean, these dogs are just unbelievably smart, capable of doing the job that they're, you know, being trained to do. And uh, they're so loyal and so dependable. It's just amazing. It really is. You know, it's one of... Uh, one of kind of the, the mysteries of the work we do, and we use exclusively golden retrievers as service dogs, and mm-hmm. we found that they're just the, the perfect ideal animal to, to do this kind of work. They have incredible intelligence, uh, form bonds very quickly, yeah. have a high degree of loyalty and empathy, and uh, they're just ideal, and they're you know, you see our dogs around town oftentimes because we train them uh, in public. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the work that they do, mm-hmm. uh, and you can tell that they're just they're just super happy to do what they're doing. Yeah, and uh, this is not an inexpensive uh, effort because, as I recall. Uh, training a service dog, uh, having one ready to go into a, a veteran's home or to take care of them, it's uh, several thousand dollars. Absolutely. Yeah. We estimate that to take a dog from a puppy to a placeable service dog costs about $40,000. $40,000. It's a lot of time, a lot of work uh, that goes into the, the training of these dogs. Uh, but it's, I don't see how anybody could say it isn't worth it when you see the results Abs- and the impact that the dogs have. Absolutely. Now, uh, you've, uh, you're building a new home. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, let me just go back a couple years. We had about 24, 25 dogs under our care uh, in some part of the training process. Uh, And then Hurricane Irma happened, Mm -hmm. and we had to evacuate. Mm -hmm. And you you could imagine evacuating with 24, 25 dogs uh, and the staff necessary to care for them. Uh, and so we found a church, a very generous church inland, that allowed us to come in and take residence there for a few days. Uh, and then we weathered the storm, uh, got back to our home, and realized we had no power, no water. Mm. Uh, and uh, we had to live that way for about two, two and a half weeks. Wow. Uh, and it was very difficult. I can imagine. Uh, and at that point we decided that we needed a place that was a secure refuge for the dogs uh, and our staff. Hmm. And so at that point, we decided it was time to start looking for a new home. We were growing fairly rapidly. Uh, And the original plan was, yes, that we were going to find some land and build a a custom-built, purpose-built space. Um, But then we found the Harley-Davidson building on Pine Ridge Road. Hmm. And we realized that it was just perfect for our needs. Some minor renovations, and uh, it'll be ready to go. And we just closed on that purchase uh, about a week ago. Congratulations to you. And as I understand it, uh, you've got a, a capital campaign of $20 million to uh, get it exactly the way you need it and to pay for the property. 
half of it already raised. That's right. We had uh, two sizable leadership gifts early on mm -hmm. from uh, the Ubbin family and the Meyer family. And uh, along with several other uh, significant lead gifts, that allowed us to actually make the purchase of the Harley-Davidson building. Uh, and now we're launching what we call basically the second phase of the capital campaign uh, for the remaining $10 million. And that will allow us to complete the renovation of the building, uh, to expand our programs. We're aiming to at least double our capacity to train and place dogs. Uh, and then we're also looking to create an endowment for the work we do because right. a lot of the placements that we have, we guarantee uh, full support, financial support, if needed, for the life of the placement. Uh, and so there's, there's future obligations that come with each placement, mm -hmm. and we're, we're looking just to create a, a secure source of revenue so that we can make good on those commitments long into the future yeah. and continue the work. Do I recall that uh, not only do you place the dogs, but when the dogs are ready to retire, uh, to, that they can no longer do the work that they were trained to do, that they, you actually make sure that they find a home? Well, for, for most dogs, it's correct. Dogs eventually retire. You yeah. know, the work that they do is is, uh, is not easy work, and uh, they do retire at some point so that they can uh, just live as a pet for their uh, the remainder of their life. Yeah. And uh, in most situations, the recipient of the dog uh -huh. keeps the keeps the dog. Right. Uh, but it just becomes a a pet, a family dog. Uh -huh. uh, and if a working dog is still needed, we will provide another one. Okay, so I'm looking at the website. It's uh, goldenpaws.org, goldenpaws, P-A-W-S, goldenpaws.com, one word, uh, .org, I should say, is, is the website. And uh, I, I just think it's just such important work that you're doing. I'm, I'm quite certain that you're looking for uh, capital campaign gifts, also looking for contributions in order to continue the work that you do. Absolutely. That uh, is something on March 20th is really the official launch of our capital campaign. Uh -huh. uh, but we have been talking to donors uh, for quite some time already about our plans. And uh, there are many naming opportunities in the new building. That right. We would love to uh, create a legacy for a family that was interested in supporting the work we do. All right. Well, again, goldenpaws.org is the website. If this strikes your interest, it certainly strikes mine. I hope you'll visit the website and uh, make a gift. Uh, Kyle, again, Kyle Reed, board president, Golden Paws Assistance Dogs. I genuinely appreciate your coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Jim is a former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of Follow the Leader and Shake the Money Tree. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. The Jewish Historical Society of Southwest Florida celebrates its 10th year anniversary. Join us at Naples Hilton on March 23rd for an evening among fabulous, like-minded supporters, friends, and fans of local Jewish history. Enjoy great food and entertainment, including the premiere of a new documentary from the Society's original Southwest Florida Jewish Pioneers film series, Mayor with a Heart, about Naples' very own four-time mayor, Honorable Bill Barnett. Proceeds of the evening will directly benefit the Virtual Museum of Southwest Florida Jewish History. For inquiries, tickets to advertise, sponsor, or underwrite the event, email office at jhsswf.org or call 833-547-7935. That's 833-JHSSWFL. We'll see you there. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Jim McTagg. He's former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's written a couple of great thrillers uh, located in Washington, D.C. The first is uh, Follow the Leader, and the second, the sequel, is terrific. Also, it's called Shake the Money Tree. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Jim. So, I mean, this coronavirus right now is capturing all the, I mean, all the news right now. It's Everything is about coronavirus. I'm looking at the futures right now, down 1,255. I'm talking about the Dow Jones Industrial Average futures. Uh, going into trading today, it looks like another bad day for markets. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's funny. I, I never thought that we would see a news story that would push President Trump off the front pages. But here we have it. It's a full-fledged uh, panic. Yeah. And I don't want to uh, to dismiss the uh, impact of COVID-19. I call it the uh, Wuhan plague. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a unique pathogen. Uh, we've seen the forecast from uh, it's going to create a zombie apocalypse to it might be as mild as a flu. We just don't know. So, so you know, people's fears are appreciated, but the fear has um, transformed into a full panic. And I'm feeling optimistic because the Fed did a really great thing. It got ahead of the flu, and it cut rates, mm-hmm. and it was criticized for that. Uh we had fabulous job numbers. I mean, I mean, when the president is boasting about the economy being superb, 
he's not it's not hyperbole right but, you know so going into this uh, flu we ha- we have the best economy you could ever hope for uh we any economic slowdown will be panic driven yeah so for example uh, you have panic pushing people into bonds now they they think bonds are a safe haven and they're reducing rates to ridiculous lows you know the opposite side of that coin is stocks which we all knew were overpriced you know we've we've been predicting that there would be a stock market correction for years now mm-hmm. uh, the stocks really needed an excuse to wring out some of the um, silly pricing and, and what we've given up so far is uh, what we gained since last december so it's not a disaster so uh, i'm shopping for stock i think it's a it's a uh, great opportunity for people who missed out in december and were kicking themselves uh you know opportunity knocks twice mm. Uh, number two, I think this might be the best real estate market in over a hundred years. Wow! And the re- especially in expensive areas like Naples, Florida, or Washington D.C. or New York City. Uh, the reason is mortgages are are at record lows. Yeah. Um, people will be afraid to go out for open houses. You know, and there aren't that many houses for sale, but but demand will dry up because people will be afraid of catching COVID-19. They'll be afraid to go out and shop. That means, uh, you know, on the demand side, it weakens. Sellers are going to have to lower prices. So so in these expensive markets, people who uh, were priced out suddenly will be priced in. It will uh, be a buyer's market. It might be a couple months. Who knows? But... uh, you know, it's something to consider. Uh, very People interesting. People shopping for a new car, yeah. uh, same thing. Hmm. In, in order to keep the inventory moving, you're going to see all kinds of price cuts. So I think, uh, yeah, you know, be be fearful if you want. Uh, certainly be careful, uh, but keep your eyes open because, uh, you know, we live in a dynamic economy, and uh, this, you know, this is an opportunity to... Uh, we uh, get some great bargains. No, you're absolutely right. Of course, cash is king, and a lot of folks are saying, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm pretty fully invested, or you know that type of thing. So that's the other side of the equation is uh, uh, when, the, when the markets are breathing out like this or exhaling, uh, which what you also see is, uh, you know, everybody kind of goes down f- for that period of time. But there is great opportunity. I've heard someplace that the word for crisis in China, Chinese is also the same word for opportunity. And I think that's pretty much what you're saying. Uh, yes. It's a, I mean, it's every old adage you can think of. You know, you buy when everybody else is selling or you buy when there is blood in the streets. Right. Um uh, See, I also happen to believe that we still have a dynamic capitalistic uh, economy. Yep. A lot of it is crony capitalism, right. unfortunately. But uh, be that as it may, uh, some businesses will go under because they're unimaginative and they were marginal to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe you know, the guy that opened a hamburger joint two, two years ago is going to go out of business or you know some 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 company that was skating by solely because of uh, easy money uh, will go out of business that's that's 
we call that uh, I forget what we call that the dynamic creative oh creative, creative destruction. destruction yeah yeah you know you ring the economy of uh, marginal businesses and it actually strengthens uh, the economy well the other side but of that of course so is entrepreneurs out there uh, that I'm confident that uh, we'll see what these people are doing and making money and it will you know the old greed and fear thing our, our greed will overcome our fear and these entrepreneurs will will lead us out of this investment funk yeah, and always it, it's there's always that cycle and the whole process is, is one of kind of squeezing and uh culling if you will and then leading back to a stronger economy afterwards so i you know for me because there's so much unknown markets have been driven down and of course this is exacerbated by the uh, i'll call it the the energy war between russia and saudi arabia oil prices have dropped 25 percent overnight just about and uh that's also contributing to the downturn of the market yeah because uh, you know you know uh the petroleum industry is one of our highest-paying industries, uh, but again, uh, looking at the job numbers, uh, I mean, we've had a weak uh, employment picture in the uh, petroleum fields for months now, mm-hmm. so a further slowdown isn't really going to cripple our economy. What it will do is lower uh, the prices you pay at, a, at the pump. At the time when people are afraid to go into airplanes, yeah, well, you number know, number two, it will re- reduce the cost of jet fuel. Well, I'll so say it this: will enable the airlines to cut prices without cutting their throats. Yeah, you know, to help keep some planes flying uh, during this crisis, which might last for a month or or six months. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, indeed, but. Uh, but uh, I'll remind our listeners, first of all, that we're energy independent, so what's happening over there has just doesn't affect us that much. I mean, we are now ex, uh, net exporters of oil, uh, not importers, so uh, that's good news. And The second thing I also want to underscore is another point that you made. Uh, that we exceeded last month the employment expectations by 98,000 employee employment uh, uh, employees, in other words, 256,000 employees added during the month of February, which is just astounding. So uh, the market is healthy, uh, and once this crisis is over, I think things are just going to really take off. Yeah, it, it'll be like, I compare it to a miniature World War II. You know, that uh, while we're fighting this war, this will be a war with heroes and cowards and casualties and, you know, who knows. But uh, once the war is over, uh, it'll be less than a year, I predict. Uh, the economy will spring back like it did in the 1950s because you had all that pent-up demand. Yeah, I think that's a great. Jim McTague, again, the author of Follow the Leader, and in the sequel, of course, is Shake the Money Tree. Both great reads, and I encourage you to uh, go to uh, Jim McTagg's name is spelled M C capital T A G U E. Jim McTagg, the author of these two fine books. Again, the latest, Shake the Money Tree. Jim, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, Jim McTagg. Again, again, the other side of the the crisis, of course, is the opportunities that uh, Jim has been pointing out, and I think that's an outstanding point. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, got new equipment here in front of me, and it's actually working. I'm pleased about that. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our uh, state senator. Uh, that's, she'll be in the last week of 
legislative, uh, the legislative uh, 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 session up in Tallahassee. We'll visit with Boo Mortson. We'll find out what's new with Boo. And Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. I always appreciate his commentary as well. So uh, I always want your feedback. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Bobharden at hotmail.com. By the way, I've uh, joined a number of podcast sites uh, among them, Stitcher is the the first, so I hope you check out Stitcher, the Bob Harden Show on Stitcher. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>